Welcome to the Learning Shared Podcast. Hello, my name is Alan Wood and I'm your host. Thanks very much for listening. So Learning Shared is a space for anyone with an interest in supporting the needs of vulnerable learners in our society, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. We'll be hearing from and talking with a wide range of colleagues and stakeholders, including teachers, specialist practitioners, school leaders, researchers, as well as parents and carers. They'll be sharing creative, inspiring ideas, effective practice, and things they've learned along their journey. With that in mind, please get in touch if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode, or if you'd like to be involved in any way. You can visit us at www.learningshared.org or tweet us at underscore learning shared. The Learning Shared podcast is brought to you by Evidence for Learning and the EFL Send community. This is a growing community of teachers, practitioners, school leaders, researchers and academics that support children, young people and adults with special educational needs and disabilities, or indeed any form of additional learning needs. You can find out more about the EFL Send community and Evidence for Learning at www.evidenceforlearning.net. I hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, we're returning to the recovery curriculum. We're joined by Matthew Carpenter and Professor Barry Carpenter, the co-authors of the original recovery curriculum think piece. In a conversation that was recorded on the 1st of May, Barry and Matthew reflected on the origins of the think piece. Matthew, who is the principal at Baxter College, a mainstream secondary school, shared his thinking behind the five levers and also shared the initial ideas that he and his team at the school had formed about how the recovery curriculum will be approached at Baxter College. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. morning. Matt, could I ask you to kick us off by giving a short intro to your school, Baxter College, and also tell us a little bit about your personal career journey? Yeah, thank you. So I'm the principal at Baxter College. I've been there for two and a half years. Um, Before that, I've worked across the West Midlands uh, in secondary schools, teaching science uh, and leading um, lots of different uh, things as you do in, in secondary schools in challenging circumstances, uh, really. Um, and then two and a half years ago, I was lucky enough uh, to join Baxter College at a school that really uh, shares my values uh, around a compassionate and empathetic approach uh, to young people. Uh, and whilst it's not been a particularly easy two and a half years, um, I've really, uh, I've, you know, really feel honoured to lead a school of, uh, of great kids and, and, and really good people. Um, we're part of a, of a trust um, that allows schools to run as schools, the Seven Academies Educational Trust, I should probably put them in. Um, but we, you know, we're given a lot of autonomy to, to take the care of our kids in, in the way that we think we should. Thank you. And how has the adjustment experience of the last five weeks or so been for you and your staff and the students at the school? Yeah, I mean, it is, it is crazy. Um, if you think about how much uh, the the school has had to change in such a short period of time, um, I think there's a lot of anxiety uh, in in those two communities that you described. Really, that the whole community that the school serves um, about uh, infection, but also um, about each other and and how they're doing. Um, 
the, the loss of interaction, the loss of relationship is, is, a, is a real challenge uh, for people. And, and I think particularly for the teaching staff at the moment, there's a, there's a real juxtaposition of they want to be back and they want to see the kids and they want to do their job. Um, but also they're concerned about their health and the health of the kids uh, in the community. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've adapted well to online learning. Um, mm. A lot have learned a lot of things really quickly, but that's the kind of profession that we are, you know, it's the, we learn. Um, mm. Yes, I think the level and speed of adaptation and actually just the lengths that schools and teachers have gone to um, in order to support their students through this crisis has, has, has been nothing short of inspirational, really, and outstanding. Yes. Now, I'd like to bring into the conversation Barry. Good morning. We, we thought it would be interesting to have the co-authors discuss between themselves the Firstly, the thinking that led to the development of the recovery curriculum and the notion of the five losses and five levers. And then in particular, looking forward to hear from Matthew, his thoughts on what the recovery process and in particular, the five levers might look like at Baxter College, a a mainstream secondary school. Barry. Yeah, it's really um, a chance to reflect um, on where did the recovery curriculum come from? Um, what's been its very short journey? Because we've all been in lockdown now for five weeks, and this concept, this construct, has been conceived uh, and brought into reality within a very short space of time, within those few weeks. And Matthew, I was thinking back to our early conversations, and I was beginning to say to you how worried I was for the children, for for all children, um, that. What scars were they going to bear from this? What, what baggage were they going to carry? Because everyday children are listening to death tolls and what's happening in the NHS and our hospitals. And for some children, they will not actually have the cognitive ability, maybe even the language structures, to talk about that, to conceptualize what that, that means. Um, and eventually I got to a point where I'd said to you one day, well, from all the reading I've been doing, there seems to be a major feeling of loss. And the five losses that are coming through most strongly were the ones about about freedom, routine, friendship, opportunity, and, and so on. Um, and within that, I think I mentioned then that the notion of recovery, and I think you jested with me, oh, we ought to think of a recovery curriculum. Um, the next I knew, because this was not my idea to write this up, <laughs> I think you said, well, we should write this up. And I think I said, well, only if you do this with me, which is how we find ourselves in this position now. Um, but when I'd written down the five losses and sent them to you and the evidence for it, you came back with the, the five levers. Do you want to sort of say where in your thinking, those five levers came from and that notion of levering children back into the position of an efficient and effective learner? Yeah, I think um, you, you, to have um, an optimistic outlook uh, for the return to school, you, you have to strategize what, what you're going to do. And I think the levers came out of that. For, for me, the the first route through all of this was thinking about the loss of relationship with the school. Um, and we've expanded and extrapolated that a little bit, but I think um, 
I'm going to quote you here, education is a relationship-based profession. Um, and for those young people, um, not having the relationships that they rely on heavily in school, the, the relationships with their friends, uh, the relationships with their teachers um, and, and the, the wider staff at the school, with, with that loss, we ha- I felt we had to facilitate that recovery. A five-week a five break that we're looking at now, but we could be looking at so much longer, mm. um, that there needs to be an opportunity really <clears throat> to restore that relationship and really it was relationships that that yes. drew me through thinking and then the other levers that we've got really came from from other other things uh, that came subsequently uh, i think um metacognition um which seems to be bang on trend at the moment on twitter um just really came from the understanding of the loss of definition as a learner um, and I think there'll be a lot of students that are struggle, will struggle to get back into the routines of school, let alone the routines of being uh, a good learner. Um, so, yeah, th- those, are, those were the, the big levers that kind of pulled me into the idea of, of what other things we can do to facilitate our curriculum. And um, I think a lot, I think your first route through, particularly if you're a secondary head who's been battered by accountability measures for the last decade, your first route through will be how can I fill the gaps in their knowledge? But actually that, that comes further down your list. It's, it's vitally important, but if you don't put the other things in place, then students won't actualize to be able to acquire that knowledge. And I think one of your levers is about community and that very much reflects what you were saying earlier, doesn't it? About, about community. Um, And I think in shaping those levers, certainly with the fifth one, then we've got that idea of space, didn't we? That, for just mm-hmm. for some children, they're just going to need the space, maybe even to explore the, fa- the space, to remember yeah. what their school is, its layout, their routines. Um, I, think, yeah, I think the idea of a lever as well was, um, you know, it, it is what it is, isn't it? But the, the idea was to think about what things you already have in place and make the most of those. So you already have, you know, if you imagined your curriculum as a series of levers that facilitate change in a young person's life, then um, you know we just have to really draw some of those things to the fore. Um, so it isn't about necessarily doing more. It's not about heaps of extra stuff. Um, it, it is about uh, thinking about what you can do. And, and the community one I found particularly interesting because it really it's just about giving yourself the opportunity in your curriculum to listen to the needs of your community. Because yes. I think a lot of communities will be affected in a, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I think so from what I can see from the data that London schools will be affected very differently to schools, you know, rural schools in the Midlands, I think actually will be affected very differently. So it was never meant to be definitive, was it? No, no, it was meant to be a series of signposts. And and I hope people will see this, this whole thing of recovery curriculum, the recovery curriculum is a construct. And I like the word construct because it's part of the word construction. And I think what we're suggesting here is that we need to construct and even co-construct a curriculum with the children based on their needs listen to them take their ideas and and explore those ideas those unresolved ideas that if we don't resolve some of that it will become baggage and baggage will weigh them down and we will lessen their life opportunities not enhance them just going to that point about co-construction co-production one of your levers says transparent curriculum do you want to talk yeah i think we did toy well i toyed with with calling it the co-constructed curriculum but i think that in itself as a term carries a bit of baggage uh but but at its heart um 
really what, what we were thinking is that the kids know that they've missed school and for whatever period of time that, that will be, they know they've missed a bit of, of school. Yeah. So they need an opportunity to say, well, these are things that I feel different about. So it's not just academic knowledge, but actually I am anxious about, about this because of this reason, you know, anxiety manifesting itself from a series of, of, of missed losses or losses as we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, so that, so you, they, they need an opportunity to, to articulate what they are concerned about. Um, yeah. And also the transparency element is then they need to know how the school is, is filling those gaps, is allowing yeah. the space for recovery. Um, and I think yes. that's, um, space for I think that's really, really important. And, but that's also important for parents. Um, yeah. okay. the, the worst thing we could do is continually drift back to outcomes in this conversation. I think, you know, yes. the one yeah. thing we just need to keep away from now is talking about outcomes that that will sort itself out. We, we, we need to return to our higher purpose as educators, don't we? Yeah. And we've so ourselves short for a long time. Yeah. So in some ways, maybe self-regulation has to be here, that the student, mm. the child themselves needs to know when, when that, that issue, that worry is resolved yeah. for themselves because we can't, we don't want to checklist this. It's not the approach no. at all. No. So how do you think that this will be implemented in schools? Maybe just talk us through, because I know you've been giving some thought to implementation yeah, in your yeah. school and talking to your senior leadership team. What, what strategies do you think for implementation will there be? So um, we've been very overt, you know, the... <laughs> The construct of a curriculum lever doesn't always mean it's the same thing at each time, does it? So, um, you know, there is a lot of curriculum transparency going on. Uh, so, but that would include we've uh, built in, uh, so we have learning principles. Lots of schools will have things like non-negotiables. They might have the TEEP cycle or building learning yeah. power. You know, there's a, a raft of, um, just talking from a secondary perspective, and I know primary schools and special schools will have very similar things. So we've got sessions dedicated to getting kids back into those learning principles and understanding how they learnt prior to the time away and, and actually probably drawing out what, they, what they've learnt about themselves as a learner while they've yeah. been working independently. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've built that time in in the first week back. The first, in the first day, um, it has a whole heap of space, uh, social time. The, the kids are desperate for social time with each other. And I know with social distancing, we'll have yes. to look at how we yes. relate that. But... Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean we should deprive the young people of social interaction because that's going to be so critical. That's the thing they miss the most. And I, and I know, you know, if we could all get teenagers to really value their education from a from an academic point of view, that'd be brilliant. But the thing they value the most is their friendships, really. And that, and for teenagers particularly, that's a huge deprivation, isn't it? Deprivation of liberty, yeah. really. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we've we've provided that that space in there, um, and then uh, our curriculum leaders are looking at their their academic recovery curriculum but again providing time in the first few weeks back to really consolidate what's been learnt mm. to and for kids to say these are the things that I don't know or I couldn't do well while I was away or that I didn't do because I claimed my laptop wasn't working or myriad of excuses the dog ate yeah. my computer etc um so we're, we're building that in um I think really the challenge so having done some work uh on this it, it, the challenge that we will face is then a challenge that I would probably share with other leaders is what does it look like a month in and a year in? And, and really the legacy of this, you know, for, for all of us is going to be from those students starting their educational experience. Now, those students who are in reception at the moment, 
there may be knock-on effects for, for a long time to come. So not losing sight of the process of recovery further down your, further down your journey. It's not just a one day or one week thing. And have you allocated specific time in a school day to address any of that? Yes, uh, we have. But I think um, we've talked about it as an idea. Uh, but it's interesting, the further you go into the conversation, the more the old pressures, as I would refer to them, as come back. But no, we have built in, or we are exploring options to build in time, I'd say was a, was a good way uh, of looking at it. Um, but I do think... Um, particularly with our longer term planning, uh, we're using a lot more of an evidence-based approach. So rather than having definitive answers about how we're going to do things like that, we've, um, we've given ourselves strategic space, so to speak, to be nimble in our leadership and to, to look at what evidence we will have on that first day back and that first week back to be able to, to facilitate what the kids need further in the future. Yes. I think so, in- so we, we shouldn't we shouldn't when we come back we shouldn't think we know all the answers we won't have it all planned we've got to give ourselves the space to do that we've been through a journey the children have been through a journey that none of us have been for through before yeah. we have no history of managing a pandemic in this way we do not no. know what the impact is particularly on british children because in our in our lifetimes we have not known um no. anything equivalent to this um I think we talked about too, and, and sort of our advice to schools who are saying what, what steps should we take. We looked at a kind of three phase model, didn't we? As well, there needs to be something for everyone. There needs to be that holistic yeah. response. Um, yeah. Even those kids that seem well adjusted, you know, they've heard very technical terms. Coronavirus itself is, is yeah. quite a weird word. We ought to go back yeah. and teach about that just to make sure that if there is learning, from this painful as it may have been it's embedded learning that they in their lives ahead can pull on and have a secure knowledge about there'll be some mystery because we're living with miss and mystery every day um we see politicians trying to resolve issues for which they have no background but none of us do even our scientific advisors are having to apply knowledge from other areas of 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 science so i think there's that bit about the holistic one there's then the the personalized responses where you can see that child that you used to know as a happy engaged learner who's become the disengaged learner so we might want to use something like an engagement profile um, to actually find out are they still curious are they persistent are they investigative still so that personalized response but i think even beyond the early weeks of return for some children, there will be deeper trauma. And maybe there we need to look at some deep, sustained um, support for that student. And maybe that will require a specific curriculum pathway for a time yeah. to resolve the issues. But if we know about the issues, we are charged professionally, I think, to resolve those issues. Yeah. So what do you think? I've just touched then about this is new experience for all of us. What do you think this will mean for the children? I think if we just went back to the curriculum transparency point, I think for the kids to to understand that we have a recovery plan, a recovery curriculum in place for them, I think it'll be a really powerful thing. And for them to to regain some confidence in this as professionals, because some kids might have had a real loss of attachment to the to their school to their you know to, to their education so so we should actually um, tell children that there is a recovery curriculum in place i would say that's the first that's step great. that's great yeah mm. yeah yeah okay yeah. and we're all in it together aren't we and there is a you know there's a sense of unity nationally and we should try and use that as much as we can 
um, for the kids. I think the, the, the fact that they, they know we're trying to recover will be really important. Um, and I, I think them understanding that we are actively trying to restore their relationship with everyone there, that it's okay that it's quite a powerful message that relationships break down for a whole heap of reasons, don't they? Yeah. Um, you know, a disagreement, conflict, actually just being spending time apart. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, or conducting your relationship virtually, not physically, will, you know, might cause some deterioration of that. And then just understanding that we should restore uh, those relationships and that it's okay to accept that we have to restore relationships. So how will you, how will you, establish that equal footing that co-construction so they know that they have a voice to be able to say look i'm worried about and and how will the curriculum be a responsive curriculum i think that that i mean that's quite multi multi-faceted in its response once the relationship with their form tutor is re-established once their relationships right. with their teachers right. are re-established right. then they'll have the space and the opportunity to do that that you know i think um i think currently in education students are listened to more than the probably they have been ever before um i think we went a little bit too far at points but i think um there is a, a quite a rational student voice i'm just taking the illustration you said about students wanting to understand about coronavirus because they've heard a lot of information mm. secondhand that you're absolutely spot on with that when i spoke to our student uh, student parliament group this week they um they really really were keen for that to be the first thing that they did they were really keen that um they were taught about coronavirus properly by someone that might know what they were talking interesting. about. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. More so than relationships, more so than getting your timetable. But, you know, all of those things have been pushed back in the day. First thing they want to know is, are we going to be okay? What And what the hell is coronavirus? So if you think your- about our understanding, when, when the school's closed, our understanding has changed massively. You know, we weren't talking about face masks, yeah. just as an illustration of that. Boris yeah. Johnson hadn't had coronavirus and nearly died from it. Yeah. 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 So we've got to explore a lot with the children, haven't we? Yeah. And, and make sure they do have voice in all, all of this. I was looking at something this morning online that was talking about worry jars where keep people, children can post their worries because some children yeah. won't want to articulate them, won't know how to articulate them, but maybe yeah. can put down a few words. So we kind of need that uh, space where they, they're not identified. The person who's asked that question because they might be embarrassed. And there's a lot of sensitivities to blend into this, but I like your phrase about nimble leadership. It yeah. invokes some strange images of school leaders I've known. As if well, I think that might be my book to write in my retirement, Nimble Leadership. We all need our something leadership book, don't we? So. <laughs> I can't recommend writing books in retirement as the man who's just been robbed of his retirement. But anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so a, man who, a man who doesn't want to retire. It would be, my be quiet. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you, Alan, because you, you've had some responses through the Evidence for Learning uh, website and, and, uh, and our new um, Recovery Curriculum Forum that you've kindly put on there. Um, what sort of things are schools saying to you that might reflect any of those themes Matthew and I have just discussed? Yes, good question. Um, well, I guess it's been a week since the Think Piece was launched. Um, and it's, 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 it's remarkable how far it's already spread. Um, certainly when I speak with schools, there seems to be a very clear consensus that the social and emotional well-being of learners must be the priority when students uh, and children return. Um, 
And actually, it's been interesting to know that with everyone I've spoken with, there seems to be a, a universal view that every learner needs to be regarded as potentially vulnerable in the first instance. Certainly until, as a school, they're able to engage, screen, evaluate and confirm otherwise. And actually on that point, um, I, I, I think most, if not everybody I'm speaking with, is, is, is very much seeing engagement as being a critical tool in the recovery process, as, as you've already alluded to earlier. Um, but I guess in summary, I think it's a, I think it's a very fair reflection, um, certainly on the feedback that I've received, that the simplicity of the model um, in terms of the five losses and the five levers seems to have really resonated with people. Um, so I suppose looking forward in terms of how people might take the recovery curriculum forward, do you have any specific hopes or um, aspirations for how the ideas that you've both set out in the recovery curriculum might be picked up and taken forward by schools? Having launched this, Matthew and I have passed on the ownership of it. We're uh, happy to lead on discussions at this point and, and uh, support people's thinking, but it's about people now owning this thinking for themselves. If they believe it, they have to deliver it. Uh, and it needs to be configured differently in different schools. Matthew's talked earlier about um, his experience as a secondary school principal. I know, Alan, that we've been lining up a primary colleague, a primary head teacher, a special head teacher. We've got lead practitioners in a variety of settings who are going to, to share their insights. Fascinating, Alan, that you've already received a PowerPoint from a school showing their implementation and, and how they're going to deliver it in their setting. That is a week on. Um, it seems that this idea has captured people's thinking. The DfE have uh, begun some conversations with Matthew and I uh, uh, about this. Um, it's it's there for what it's worth, and uh, in some schools they'll decide it's not worth pursuing such notions as a recovery curriculum. But obviously, we feel it's got merit. Yes, from the the feedback we've seen over the last week, it it certainly appears to have merit um i'm conscious of time matt are there any final thoughts or reflections that you'd like to close us out with i think um just making sure everyone understands that it was you know easy as uh, just to re reaffirm what uh, bass said really we you know this wasn't written to be a definitive answer we won't be writing a series of uh you know elements of the <laughs> of the curriculum uh, of a recovery curriculum uh, it's to promote thinking and you might come up with your own set of levers that are completely different or at least different. Um, and, and when we think about impact, uh, we just have to remember that, that the success of an education system isn't, isn't who leaves your building. It's who they are at the end of their lives. And, you know, when we talk about impact and success, that that's where we are. We were looking, it's kind of an assumed thing when we talk about education, dad, isn't it? That, yeah. that it, we look at it in its broadest sense and its broadest perspective and you know, outcomes are, are one measure of it, but actually success is far more broad than that. Yes. Mm. Yes. That's a powerful and very apt point for us to end on. Thank you. Um, and thank you both for your time today. I've thoroughly enjoyed being part of this conversation. I found it en enlightening and, and very thought provoking. Thank you for your time, Alan. Thank you for the leadership you're offering to this as well. Thank you for listening. 
Watch out over the coming days for new episodes where we'll be returning to the recovery curriculum. We've been recording some fascinating and insightful conversations with a number of colleagues throughout the UK, exploring their reflections and plans for the recovery process at their school. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please do get in touch with feedback if you'd like to either suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. You can find more information about the recovery curriculum at www.recoverycurriculum.org. There's links to resources, reference materials, as well as uh, video slide decks. Barry Carpenter's webpage is www.barrycarpentereducation.com and the homepage for the podcast is www.learningshared.org. You can email us at learningshared at theteachcloud.net or tweet us at underscore learningshared. Finally, you're welcome to join the conversation via one of our online communities of practice. Um, We've got groups on Facebook and LinkedIn. Details are on the recovery curriculum and learning shared web pages. You can search for recovery curriculum as a group inside Facebook. So for now, thanks again for listening. Stay safe and be well.